Welcome to the New Model Advisor podcast. I'm Ollie Smith, and I'm here to kick off a special mini-series entitled My Best Work, which aims to foreground and celebrate some of the best financial planning stories in the profession. My guest this week is a chartered financial planner whose pet emus are not the only thing to have put him on the map. Felix Milton is a chartered financial planner at Philip J. Milton & Co., and some of his best achievements in the past 12 months have involved helping clients claim on the FSCS. We're going to look at two specific case studies today, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Felix and ask him about his entry to our 2020 Top 35 Next Generation Advisor list, in which he mentioned an interesting case involving historical SIP advice and a claim on the Lifeboat Fund. So, Felix, thank you so much for joining us. Um, How did you get involved with this first client uh, who claimed on the FSCS? So, uh, back in December 2018, we were approached by a SIP trustee um, who basically their DFM that was managing the client assets had a VREC requirement for the FS- FCA. Um, so they had to stop managing immediately. Um, but clients still needed assets sold to meet withdrawals and so on. So the SIP trustee used their power that they didn't actually use very much and started looking around for another DFM that could help. Um, they approached us and we said we should be able to. Um, so with the FCA sort of blessing, we took on the, the clients, but that was only the start. Um, and then we found out the reason why there was a VREC on the original firm was because they've been investing in all sorts of things um, that no good advisor would ever touch with a barge pole. Um, and so that that really is where it began. So we had 1,200 clients who fundamentally all, somewhere or another, have invested in dodgy assets. Um, and the one that I gave an example of was just one of those, um, but a particularly good one from a financial planning perspective, because there was lots we could actually do uh, and put him in a better position than he was, even though he'd been scammed. So that was a, a good one. And if I may ask, you know, what kind of assets were these clients being put into? So they were investing within the DFM's own, uh, they had some funds that were quoted uh, on the stock exchange, but those funds themselves were then investing in, they were meant to be sort of like a, a medium risk investment approach, normal stocks and shares, but they were actually investing in unlisted Cape Verde holiday properties and uh, sort of the, the resort group, which is a one that some people may sort of tweaks and bells, uh, rings and bells, because it's a big one that has been highlighted before with the FOS and so on. Um, they're investing in those assets and basically they weren't worth anything, um, but they were putting all the money in and clients' funds were going, say, 50% in these bond funds and then 50% in normal stocks and shares, but the bond funds are basically worthless. So clients were losing sort of half their money almost immediately. Wow. Um, so... I mean, how did you help the client in the in the longer term? This client in particular, I, I think you mentioned in in the um, in your entry that you you essentially invested his compensation. I mean, but how did it get? Yeah. How did it get? So, so, so basically, um, we became, we had to try and piece together what had happened. So, if you go to the FSCS and say, well, "How can this client get compensation?" Um, you have to basically go through the original advice firm first. So, we had to try and track down what the firm was, name changes and so on, because this advice was actually back in 2016. Um, found the advice firm, great. You go to the financial ombudsman service because they're still trading. Um, but then when you go to the financial ombudsman service, you find out these firms actually have very few assets. So they quickly go into liquidation. And then it takes a, another period, but then we kept the client appraised and said, look, now you should be able to go to the FSCS. Um, and then, yeah, they got, got a great award. So 85,000 pounds is what they got initially, which is obviously the maximum they can get. Um, but we were like, look, you can put this back into your pension um, and boost the actual compensation you've got. So I did a calculation based on the client's earnings. They were a higher rate taxpayer. Um, and fundamentally, they're going to feed in their compensation over at least two tax years. 
um, secure the higher rate tax relief and are now in a better position than they would have been in had they stayed in their original arrangement because you can obviously see all the figures on the FSCS um, calculation summary. So that's great. So the client's very happy with that. Um, but it was very good to be able to reinvest their money for, for the better for them. And, and you know, you mentioned that they got the maximum award of £85,000. I mean, how much, you know, what proportion of the, the original sum that they had invested was that? And clearly, they were glad to get something. Mm. But, uh, well, you know, so how much did they originally invested. So they originally put in two hundred thirty-eight thousand um, pounds. Wow. At which point, the that advice firm charged them eight thousand three hundred pounds as well for not really doing too much. The report is wouldn't stand up to any scrutiny. Um, and then basically, that was invested. And when we sort of started looking to it more, the fund value was about one hundred sixty thousand. Um, but they actually got awarded by the FSCS because the FSCS look at what their original fund would have been worth had it stayed in the same assets and so on. So the FSCS would have given him £123,000, but obviously they're, they're subject to the cap. So he only got eighty five um, originally. But there is a, a silver lining there in that the FSCS said, look, he can actually claim against the DFM. So he can do a second claim and they'll top up that eighty five to the 123. So he should be in no worse off than he was. And you're pursuing that second claim uh, currently, aren't you? Is that correct? Yes, yes. We're we're working with him. He's actually, we sent sort of a little guide on how he can do it himself. So some clients, we will do the whole thing for them and do all the correspondence, but others are happy with okay. the guide if they're a bit computer savvy. So this, this guy is, um, and he's able to do the claim himself and just asks us, pings us emails every now and then saying, do I need to respond to this? How, how do they need an answer to this? And we, we help sort of pro bono for that. And what's his background? I mean, you mentioned that, you know, he's computer savvy enough to, you know, to handle that process. But, you know, does he have a sort of financial background of any kind or, or does no, he not, feel not, not at know, all. So he was duped? No, he, he definitely feels like he was duped. I mean, he was uh, in 2016, I think it was. He, he basically calls himself a fisherman. He's a bit more than that. He does a sort of like frozen fish exports, I, I believe. Mm. Um, but he basically was diagnosed with throat cancer and was off work. Um, and the nice salesman called round, knocked on the door, came in and he was said, yeah, yes, you can look at my old pension um, and, and sort of took advantage of him in that situation. Um, so he agreed to go ahead with it without sort of fully being able to focus on it at the time because he had other things on his mind, which is, is completely understandable. Um, update me on perhaps some of the, the, you know, the other clients you mentioned that he's one of them, um, mm. you know, how does the uh, how does his experience compare in terms of the straightforwardness of uh, of claiming on the FSCS compared to some of the others? Uh, have some of the others been more difficult or less difficult? So particularly when so as as we found with some of the other clients, they were final salary transfers, um, and that adds another layer of complication um, because the FSCS have a specific department that can deal with that, which I'm pleased to to hear, to be honest. Um, and they have to get all sorts of information from the seeding schemes, which can't give some of the information they need. Um, so the FSCS have internal calculations. They need to ask things about the clients and what they thought at the time, which maybe four or five years ago, and the clients have no idea. Um, and it's very, very difficult for them to make a judgment. So some of those are a bit more involved um, and need a li little bit more sort of hand-holding with the claims process. Um, and that's where we found we've really had to, to help clients. But they are lucky in a way because the FSCS bases the transfer value on what it was back in 2016, seeing where most of this happened versus now. And obviously transfer values have actually increased over that time. So their compensation is proportionately bigger, um, which is actually great for the clients after what they've been through. I think it's a very nice um, benefit to them. I mean, I was interested to hear you say that, you know, you were reassured to hear that the FSCS had a specific sort of team dealing with the final salary side. Um, 
you know, the FSCS is a, a bugbear in many ways for advisors, as I'm sure I don't need to explain because of, um, you know, levies and costs. But what's your impression as an advisor, but also someone who's dealt with that organisation quite closely? Did they, you know, did they impress you with their organisational slickness or, um, you know, do you have a sort of more more of an ambivalent relationship with them? <laughs> no, I have a, a very good relationship uh, with the FSCS. And what, what I've done so far, um, I, I haven't really got necessarily any negative things to say. There's a few issues um, in terms of how companies become under the FSCS remit in the first place, um, mm. which they could deal with. I mean, one of the companies that we had been told to go to the FOS, we could see on company's house. Uh, in their accounts, their balance sheet said they had £5,000 of assets, but we had an FOS award for something like 25000 So clearly that company is going to go bust, but it took the FSCS sort of eight months to accept that they actually had no assets. Uh, you think all this time going by and the clients are wondering, are they going to get any money back at all? That is something they could have sped up and, and been a bit better at. Um, mm. But in terms of the process, one form, very simple, very straightforward. What happened? What did you put in? Uh, send it off to them and they basically deal with the rest as long as you give them what they need in the first place, which is everything on that form. Um, there's usually no issues. So yeah, it's a, it's a very good process. And I'm very actually happy using it as an advisor and knowing it's the same sort of screens that the consumers see um, because it's very consumer friendly, very helpful. And more people should be encouraged to claim if they have a valid reason to. That's that's a very, very interesting Um you mentioned just earlier. I didn't realise this, but the, the, your firm had created, you know, a little handbook to help clients who were mm. able to do it themselves. I mean, was there anything specific that you mentioned in, you know, in that little booklet, uh, you know, tips on on how to navigate that process? Uh, sort of, or is it no, simply as simple as uh, one, it, two, three? It, it wasn't. It, it was almost you will be asked for. So before before you begin your claim, these are the things you'll be asked for if you have it. So you will need this, mm. this, 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 where we had the information or could see it from the, the sort of books we'd been given by the SIP trustee. Uh, we would pass that to the client because it's easier for them to have. And then as long as they are comfortable uploading everything, um, then it's, it's a very easy process. The problem with the FSCS at the moment, I would say, is that it's very, very good if you're IT literate. If you're not IT literate, it's a bit more of a struggle. You can do a claim over the phone or via post. But it just adds that additional layer of complication on what do you need to send. You may need to send paperwork that is sort of this this fat, whereas if you can upload it, it's um, it's better. So that that's really my sort of gripe with the FSCS. But they can't really improve on that too much. It's just a very difficult thing to do. Um, but going through perhaps with a relative or encouraging a relative who is IT literate to go through someone who needs the claim would be something they could perhaps uh, advertise a bit more. Mm, okay. Um Let's just talk about this uh, the pro bono case that you handled because you also mm. mentioned that in your application for top thirty five and mm. it's very interesting to read about you, you know for listeners at home uh, Felix wrote that a client had approached him after pursuing an FSCS claim for compensation through a claims management company CMC is obviously regulated now by the uh, the FCA uh, but this CMC uh, had charged a fee of thirty percent of any successful claim um, you know and they tried to. Uh, cancel the agreement, but the CMC said that they'd gone too far in the process um, and that that wasn't possible. Um, tell us a little bit more about about that, Felix, because in this case, you mentioned that you know this this person's uh, situation was pretty dire, and mm. their mental health problems meant that they were you know facing up to some pretty serious issues mm. psychologically as a result of the stress mm. involved. So, uh, sort of the the stress started with the original advice um, back in in sort of 2016. They again were a very vulnerable individual going through a very very dark time. 
um, and someone called on the door and said, can we review your pensions? And the person said, yes, you know, something you can help me with and take off my mind. But a, really an unsolicited call to review pensions isn't isn't really going to work out well for a client. So they went ahead with it and so on. Um, and it, it got to the point where the client was was very suicidal. Um, so he sort of forgot about it and put it away because if he was worrying about his pension, um, it was not helping his mental health at all. It was actually making it worse. So on the advice of his doctor and his therapist, he was told to ignore it and forget it, write it off. Um, and that helped him. And, and sort of he started to get a bit better. Uh, and then a claims management company who we don't quite know what has happened, but they seem to have all the details of the clients who were invested in the first place through these firms and into this thing. So we don't know where that came from. Mm. Um, but basically, he was approached, agreed to go ahead. Um, and fundamentally, when we when he told us what had gone on, we said, look, you need to cancel this fee agreement because you will get compensation. Because at this point, we'd see claims paid for the same funds. So there's not a question mm. mark. It's a, you will get compensation. Um, and basically, he tried to cancel his fee agreement and the claims management company said oh well we've gone too far at the moment when we're, we're not going to cancel it um and we're sure they'd also seen at that point they're going to get payments and they you can make a rough calculation as to what someone's going to get and they probably worked out okay well this client's going to get sort of about thirty thousand. that's ten thousand pounds for us for doing one fscs form um so they didn't let the client cancel the client is adamant that he did do that and i have no reason to doubt that he didn't try and cancel um and then they sent him the the fscs compensation sort of a little bit later minus their fee um so uh the client told me what had happened uh, his doctor and his therapist again had told him to put this to bed forget it the claim is settled um but i i said look if you want me to look at it we're not going to charge you anything because this is completely immoral behavior it makes the industry look bad um so we're now helping the client pursue a claim against the claims management company via the fos um to say look this is what happened um it's completely unfair you took advantage of the client so um, that's where we are at the moment, really, just waiting for that outcome. And when you wrote about that in your entry, I mean, presumably this was around September, October of, of last mm-hmm. year. Um, what, you know, what's what's the uh, state of play today? Has there been any? Are you any closer to we're, resolving? There's no closer, unfortunately. Still, still sort of waiting on on the client actually at the moment. Um, but yes, and then then the FOS and so on. So yes, but hopefully uh, it's a positive outcome for the client. Mm, okay. How did he actually get in touch with you in, in first place? I mean, how, how does that, that kind of relationship spring up? So uh, what we did is we wrote to all these sort of uh, 1,200 or so clients that were on this DFM list. Um, we sent them all a sort of generic email saying, or, or a letter, basically saying, look, we have reasons to believe you were missold. You probably can make a claim. This is who you need to claim against. Uh, and he got in touch from that, basically, and contacted us back saying, look, I really need help. Um, and then we started to build up a relationship with him to find out what had actually gone on. Um, and that's where we we could step in, I'm pleased to say, and help him because he he clearly is a vulnerable individual uh, and needs sort of handholding with financial matters. Uh, and is it's very easy to take advantage of him, which is what has happened. So uh, we want to act as sort of a, a barrier for for him being duped by by another company, to be honest. I had a conversation at the back end of last year with uh, several advisors about dealing with vulnerable clients. And one thing that united all of their various experiences and case studies was that they'd had to change elements of their standard advice procedure to ensure that, you know, the vulnerable person could trust them and felt comfortable. Was there anything that you did in this situation to, you know, to win this guy's trust? Uh, Or was he more than happy to speak? And, you know, it was easy enough once he'd gotten in touch. 
I think it was uh, the thing that helped basically win his trust was that we were always willing to answer the phone to him. So every time he called, mm. there would always be someone there, Whether even if it's not myself, uh, we have a good sort of client support management team and they would be available to speak to him. Um, so they would speak to him and just go through whatever it is he wanted to talk about. There's no cost for that or charge for that. Um, and I think just knowing that we were there at the end of the phone when he needed us was something that helped build up over time. Um, and then he came to the point of, of now being able to trust us to help him hopefully uh, claim against this claims management company. But again, as we know, the outcome is is uncertain. Um, we spoke a lot about, you know, your work last year, but I have, you know, um, you know, the impression that this is still keeping you busy in 2021. I mean, what else is keeping you busy in 2021? Is it mainly FSCS work? I mean, presumably you've got other clients. Yes. On. I mean, well, one, one thing that we have found uh, very quickly of from October is that our level of a sort of DB advice requests has increased hugely. Um, so at the moment, for example, I have four, four cases, four separate clients. I need to do a transfer value analysis report for sort of within the next couple of months. So I imagine that that area of work is going to get busier for us. Um, but it, it's going to come to a point where we may need to reevaluate sort of what work we do in that area. Um, because obviously, as fewer advisors now do it, the demand's going to go up. But really, do we want that additional risk? And is our PI insurer happy with that additional risk? Um, so that, that really is keeping me busy this year. Um, sort of that, that level of work and just otherwise general client inquiries. We're finding a lot of intergenerational contact at the moment, which is good. Um, so helping client, clients' children. Um, so that's a, a nice nice positive because it's almost quite interesting from our family generic in that my, my dad may have advised them some years ago and now I'm advising the children, which is quite nice to carry on in the firm. That's really, really nice to hear. Um, what kinds of things are people inquiring about when it comes to intergenerational wealth? Is it to do with you know, inheritance planning and, and, and gifting? Uh, partly, yes, but also a lot of it is, oh, look, my child has worked now for 20 years and they've got all these pension schemes and they've never looked at them and they know that I've got a good relationship with your firm. Can you look at that for me? Or it's the grandparents going, look, I want to give money to my grandchildren, but I don't want to look after it or have anything to do with it. So can you liaise with my children? Um, so that that's typically the, the main sort of work we're getting. Do you think the pandemic's had an impact on you know people's desire to get financial help, be it, you know, on a pro bono level or, you know, with in crisis matters or just to see whether they can consolidate things and tidy up their finances a little bit? I, I think there's two sort of approaches. There are definitely the ones that want to, they've had a chance to look at their finances. If they've been furloughed, they've had some time off and they've worked down their big long list of tasks and finance is often at the bottom, but they've actually got to it. Mm. So that's a, a yeah. reason for contact. Um, but also there are other people going, look, I've lost my job because of the pandemic. I need to access some funds or I need this and that. How can I make sure that I'm financially stable going forward uh, with the worries the pandemic's caused? So I, I say there's two very distinctive approaches uh, that we're getting from clients. That's very interesting. The FCA was saying last week that, you know, thousands of financial firms, small financial firms are looking, you know, potentially vulnerable because of the pandemic. I mean, mm. it, it seemed to me that perhaps you, you know, you might ex might reasonably expect an increase in, you know, in FSCS claims and, and mm. stuff like that. Are you ready to take that challenge on? I should be able to, yes. I mean, my, my particular sort of bent this year that I want to do is target claims management companies because there is no way that they can get away with charging 36% without having sort of any moral standards whatsoever. If I can fill out a client's FSCS form yeah. and submit it for sort of about £500 sort of all in, but they charge 36% of a claim, 
there's there's no comparability there. And I'd love the FCA to step in now that they regulate them and say, look, you've got to charge a fee cap. You are limited to, even if it was 2% of the claim, that would still be phenomenal for some that get 85,000. It'd be a lot of money, but the work is the same. It's not as involved as they will make out it is. And again, coming back to the vulnerable client, they said you need a claims management company as there's no way you'll be able to navigate the FSCS systems on your own. And it's that level of duping because they are they are printing money. They are taking clients' compensation and disappearing with it and enjoying it when really there's no justification whatsoever for those level of charges. Mm, okay. Um, you've made a bit of a name for yourself recently, I think, with you know appearances in the national media and you know Radio 4. Um, I just want to ask you what might help a young planner like yourself kind of attract the kind of specialised work that you've been involved with first and foremost, but also I suppose the media attention that, that can come with it. Do you think that there's a sort of je ne sais quoi that you've got or is there something that other planners can do uh, to kind of get involved? My, I, I suppose, to get other planners involved, I, the, the reason, I think I ended up on both of the publications, the national ones, sort of by mistake. Um, what, one of them, I was tweeting back, uh, the, the Telegraph, for example. I've been in it twice, actually, this year. One of them, I just tweeted a reporter back saying my thoughts on Bitcoin. Uh, he said, oh, great, I'll put you in the article. <laughs> um, and and, and uh, Twitter has been very good. The money box, again, I responded to a tweet. Um, and got approached by one of the producers there. So it's kind of quite random, but I think being active on Twitter is a very key uh, key thing. So that, that's how I attracted those sort of opportunities, I, I guess. Um, but otherwise, they seem quite random. Um, and finally, I have to ask you, how are the emus? And do oh, you have any plans to expand your menagerie of animals? The emus are great. I mean, we're still unsure what sex they are. So they're four years old now, um, but okay. we haven't had any eggs. But we were told when we bought them as chicks, when they're about this big, um, that they were sort of male and female. But we haven't had any eggs. So we don't know if we've got two males or if they're eating their eggs or not. But um, no, they're great. Is there a Am claims I, management company to handle that deception, do you think? I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's the sort of need. <laughs> but um, no, we, I, I would like to get an African crane. That's my next purchase. But um they're they're quite expensive, and I don't know if they they I mean you can't really keep them in a in a pen, so they can fly off. So uh, that's my risk. <laughs> wow. Okay. So an exciting twelve months ahead for you, um, Felix. It's been an absolute delight to you, uh, delight to catch up with you and 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 hear about your work. Um, that does conclude this episode. Um, a huge thanks uh, for giving up your time and coming on the show, Felix. And a huge thanks to listeners for listening. Of course, if you've got examples of great financial planning work you'd like to foreground in an episode with us, get in touch with me at osmith at citywide.co.uk. But in the meantime, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>